Hello listeners, I am your host Ziad Matar and I'd like to welcome you all to the Wirelessly Yours podcast where I talk about everything tech, business and design. On each episode, I will take you through how cutting-edge technologies, emerging business models and the latest design trends are transforming our world and shaping the future. You will also get to hear from my guests about their opinions on global developments and the opportunities they create as well as their impact on society. Stay tuned for more. Wirelessly yours. Hello, listeners, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the season finale of Wirelessly Yours, the last episode of season one, actually our 12th episode this year. And uh, today uh, I have two very, very interesting guests joining me on uh, this session. We have uh, Sandra Baer, who is calling us from Los Angeles today. She's the founder of Personal Cities. And I have Hassan Al-Balawi, who is calling us from Riyadh today. And he's the CEO and co-founder of Wake Cap Technologies. So I will let them both uh, introduce themselves, talk a little bit about their background, both their real background behind them and their career background, their personal background. But as usual, today I'm wearing a new hat and I wanted to tell you and give you a hint about what's coming. This hat is a, actually is a, is a biking uh, you know, uh, helmet and uh, because we're going to talk about smart cities and smart cities have been associated a lot with smart mobility and this is how I come to work uh, nowadays every day on, on my bicycle on my municipal bike in in Barcelona but Hassan has also taken the the, 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 the simple uh, dummy helmet as he calls it and turned it into a very smart helmet so I don't have one of his helmets but he'll tell us more and show us more about them later so without much further ado let's start uh, ladies first uh, this time uh, usually I do it alphabetically but uh, uh, Sandra woke up very early for us, so let's start with her. Sandra, tell us about your background. Thank you, Ziad. It's such a pleasure to be here, and I'm I'm thrilled to uh, to be a part of what I think wirelessly wirelessly yours is all about. It's um, such a great podcast that you're um, that you're leading. Um, I my company is called Personal Cities, and we're really focused on smart city innovation, on accelerating uh, city leaders interest in investing in technology. Um, we're also interested, especially today, in the, uh, the, the ideas of social inclusion, um, figuring out how cities can be much more uh, than just technology savvy, but also uh, socially, um, socially savvy to, to include all the voices in a city. Um, I'll give you a very quick background um, about how I got here. Uh, and I, I definitely want to hear how Ziad and I uh, first met, which is also to do with smart cities. Um, I've been passionate about cities for over 20 years because I think they are, no doubt about it, the engine of invention and uh, the entrepreneurial spirit. They're the place where uh, the economy shines, where, um, where cities can have places of culture and art and recreation. They really are the, the epicenter, in my opinion, of social, physical, and human connections. And that's why cities are, I think, are gonna shine even more after we move through COVID and, and this pandemic. Um, I've learned that certain cities around the world, um, they have universal values and certain mayors around the world uh, have sort of a spark, a willingness to look differently at a city and figure out new, new uh, innovations that a city needs. Um, 
I think many of the challenges that existed with pre-COVID, uh, transportation, energy, the environment, um, uh, the built environment, uh, public safety, security, cybersecurity, uh, all of these cha challenges uh, existed pre-COVID. And now uh, as we move into the COVID environment and move hopefully out of it in the next year or two, um, the cities will still need to, to deal with these challenges. And frankly, there's a convergence of crises, not only for cities, but for the planet beyond the, beyond the pandemic, social and racial injustice, um, economic inequality, and of course the climate crisis, which didn't stop. None of this stopped while uh, the pandemic raged uh, uh, around the world. We're so going to talk about now, all, uh, all that, uh, exactly. Yes, and, we're going to talk know, about all of that. So that's sort of and, the history and, of why I care about cities. Correct, yes. That's uh, very good. And uh, let's talk about you, Hassan, a little bit. Tell us more about how you got into the, the business of smart helmets. Sure. Uh, so, yes, uh, thanks so much, uh, Ziad, for uh, hosting us in this great uh, podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan of podcasts, actually. Um, so. My background is actually in academia. Uh, so I consider myself as a recovered academic. So I spent half of my life finishing my studies all over the, uh, the US. I did my bachelor, master, and PhD in the US in electrical engineering. And then I uh, decided to basically uh, leave the dream for being a professor in a university. I did once, like I did one semester in, in the uh -huh. university, just for the sake of my mother. She was like, you know, always dreaming about being uh, a doctor. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it for one term. And then I resigned. I started focusing in, in, uh, in building my own startup because it's just much more interesting. And uh, the, the, I got to construction by accident because we built a solution that was meant to monitor drowsiness um, uh, using the brain signal. That was like my PhD research. And we built that uh, that helmet. It was like you know we came very like passionate and uh, uh, optimistic about construction that we're gonna you know help them monitor all their fatigue, all their drowsiness. Hence the name Wake Up. The first hit we got was like, oh look, I have no idea where my workers are, and you want to tell yes. me they're drowsy? This is when we like we saw the the reality in construction. They are the least digitized sector. They don't have any infrastructure on the site. The site lack power, lack connectivity. So bringing solution like that was like really, uh, like really not. It's it's not really built for this industry yet. So we saw that as an opportunity. So we pivoted to help build or bring bring technology to the field, and this is exactly what Wake Up today is. We uh, focus on how can we implement technology on the site without any disruption with zero training. So our solution today actually is integrated into the hard hat in such a way that we just need the worker to wear their hard hat. And that's it, they are totally connected. We know where they are, we know, uh, uh, we know that where they are in the site and uh, without really using any GPS or anything like that, keeping the, the, the privacy uh, of the users and the workers um, really upfront because we only know where people are in the site. And when you leave the site, this, the, the solution uh, won't work. Um, uh, this allows us just knowing where people are, allow us to improve safety and efficiency on the site, especially when you have uh, uh, mega projects with thousands of people uh, on, the, on the work site. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's what we do today, and we are building uh, a lot of use cases uh, around the, around the world. Um, I'm, I'm I'm really glad about my journey with Wakeup. We have over 45 people in the company, and we are uh, we are basically enjoying every minute of this challenge. It's still really really hard to kind of penetrate this industry, uh, but we are trying to enjoy the ride uh, as uh, we are attracted to uh, challenges. Amazing. And uh, you know what's very interesting in this is, uh, you know, this whole setup that we have today is that Sandra and I, I think, met only once in person uh, in one occasion a few years ago in Dubai. Hassan and I never met, although I go a lot to Riyadh. His co-founder is in uh, is in Dubai and I see her a lot at In5. But actually, I never knew the history behind the Wake Cap. And, and today, you know, we're uh, I'm in Barcelona. We're all in different cities. And, and this is where we get to, you know, uh, know and learn a lot about what's happening. And frankly, I see this happening a lot these days that every Zoom call I'm having to catch up with friends that I haven't uh, been, uh, you know, in touch for a while or sometimes to meet new people. It's just as easily recorded and turned into a podcast. The conversation is so much uh, interesting than ever and we all have something interesting and new to add to the story so i I always start with the first section and it's called the elephant in the zoom and i guess this was the elephant in the zoom but like here we are you know we're meeting for the first time although we've been talking for a while you know a lot about each other but we're learning but again you know the the biggest elephant in the zoom this year at least has been you know the whole covid pandemic and the restrictions around it and i want to start with you um, uh, sandra because as i said mobility and smart cities have been associated and i think a lot of cities might have taken a shortcut and said we're smart so we have good mobility a few mobility solutions and we we do have a bit of a smart grid uh, situation and then suddenly you know we had the whole healthcare uh, system uh, you know impacted and I'm not sure how ready we were. Have you have you seen this readiness anywhere? And do you have any shining examples that you can tell us about where cities yes. well, use their infrastructure? Yeah, I think um, first of all, there is no. Uh, I think there is genu- genuine consensus that there was no city really prepared uh, to handle the pandemic. And you know, there was um, such a, a. It was a shock to to the system of cities, especially because they had sort of a way of operating, whether it was a smart city or one that was just moving to smartness, if you will. Um, many did not really understand the the exponential growth of the virus and how it would how it would really impact uh, hospital capability to handle sick patients. Um, we did see certain cities that were pretty quick to pivot uh, to take the right action and to do it quickly. It really had to do with three things, three or four things access to health care, health infrastructure, uh, communication and messaging was key, and also sort of this socioeconomic level in the city that affected the quantity uh, 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 the quantity of people that, that uh, contracted the virus. Um, we had, in the United States, many people know, we had um, we had a president that was very dismissive of the virus and actually downplayed the wearing of masks. But, you know, I think the communication is the key for those cities that that did a good job of saying, yes, we have to take action fast. We have to flatten the curve, as they said, in the beginning of the virus. And I think certain cities did that really well. 
And I guess uh, smartness is about communication and information and making it available. For sure. So maybe this this helped to compensate. And you know, from from your perspective uh, as well, Hassan, uh, I, I don't know. You you tell me, but I could have imagined. Uh, you know that we are all using now these contact tracing apps. Uh, you know, one way or the other, and. Uh, and, and yet you have a very interesting solution because construction remained a vital sector in many places. I know for a fact in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, we did not stop construction. Everything else stopped. Yeah. And that the were, did you see examples where the cap was actually being used to trace? Uh, you know, yes, definitely. That. I mean, providing a real-time location was like uh, was the best thing for any construction company who are already using that because there were like. Um, there was like the need for continue continuity in this business, and at the same time, uh, also regulator didn't know what to do. I mean, okay, this is a vital business, but we need to also make sure we um, we do this safely. So technology was definitely uh, uh, useful in the in the scenario. But one of the things that we were so happy about in this construction industry, not only COVID, there was actually two things. One. This industry, as I, I said before, they are the least digitized sector. Any technology you bring usually takes a lot of yes. kind of headache to, to convince them to look at the screen. They would rather print it and then go and show it to your face. Like this is like this is everything we design. It's like design it such a, in such a way that's gonna somebody gonna take a screenshot and print it. That's uh, that's how they they, they like to to uh, uh, communicate. Uh, well, in in COVID, it allows us to to force them to use technology. And that was a good thing for us. So uh, uh, in, in, from that perspective, the second thing is uh, we we were like, you know, developing different use cases, trying to figure out who's our stakeholder. Uh, and uh, this is when the safety manager, I remember when he called, he's like, look, we have a guy who was infected. What can you do uh, for us? I was like, okay, what are you looking for? He's like, I have two options. Either I'm gonna shut off the whole site and test everyone, or you can help me by giving me some information about who was, you know, in touch with him. That's that's his two options. So we we immediately actually generated to him actually the the the, the most uh, needed information he needs. He's like, I need to know who was in touch with him for a certain uh, distance and a certain time. Uh, and then he basically wants where this infected worker have been on the site for the last 14 days, so he can basically disinfect these areas. And we allow them to see this tool, you put the, you know, the infected uh, uh, worker information and they generate what you're looking for, you know, with a matter of minutes. For them, for a site with 4,000 workers, it was like a nightmare to shut off the site. Uh, but out of 4,000, they would only have, uh, you know, had a, a high risk of less than 200 people. So for them, that was like really, really useful. Uh, now. Our biggest use case or, our, or like my challenge in COVID was more about the business itself. Yeah. How can we grow the business? How can we, the, the, the problem, we didn't have a baseline. So we can say, are we like really doing well or not? Uh, but I was, you know, telling my team, I was like, look, if we made it through this, then uh, ideally we should, we should be able to, uh, I mean, we'll be fine in the future, as long as we basically uh, uh, go through it together and um, overall for construction it was actually the uh, it was positive for us who try to bring technology to this industry but uh, of course as you said you know you have to manage a team these are people 
they have their own challenges at home, out of home. They're, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they have to deal also with their kids being at home, their spouses, yeah. etc. So, uh, and this brings us to the personal angle. And Sandra, you decided to call it personal cities. Right. Uh, so tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, you know, that personal angle. And I want you to maybe introduce uh, Hassan and our listeners to, to that fascinating question sorting session that we did a couple of months ago. And then we will talk about the topic itself of that uh, session. Because oh, I think thank you so important. much. Yeah, you know, it's it's been so interesting. Um, I guess it was in 2019, my business colleague and I, Dr. Lawrence Jones, uh, wrote a piece about global urbanization and rethinking it, reimagining it. And then COVID hit. And as we were writing the paper, we realized that one of the reasons for the lack of fast transformation, you know, the bigger, bolder ideas, was because cities and especially um, the biggest urban spaces were failing to ask the difficult questions. You know, what are the important problems? And let's not jump to solutions right away. Let's take our time to really think, are we asking the right question? And are we continuing to sort of peel that onion. So we developed a concept called question storming, and I'm so pleased, uh, Zia, that you were a part of one of our sessions. We interviewed over um, close to 200 people from countries all over the world, and we asked the question, how can we rebuild trust in a broken world? And um, we are now about to uh, launch a global trust platform because we feel that that question, especially one of just trusting uh, our government, our institutions, each other. Uh, that question has to have some new answers. Uh, if we can think lit differently, if we can sort of, you know, let go of your muscle memory about what is it that helps us trust one another and how can we move in different ways? You know, this is the perfect time for transformation and building trust. So I think that's that has to do with uh, my passion about keeping things personal, keeping them uh, keeping each of us engaged in the contribution we can make to a city. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping we can uh, expand on that soon. Let's talk a little bit more about it uh, in a while. But I, I want to talk about the next segment, you know, in, in, in the episode that I call the business unusual. And this is because I everybody talks about a new normal. I think it was never normal and I doubt it will ever get back to what it was. <laughs> Uh, at least in the short to midterm, it's going to be, you know, quite unusual because of this whole hybrid nature of uh, of the solutions that are being brought to us. Uh, uh, you know, vaccines will take time. Tests are getting better, cheaper, faster, but they are not, uh, uh, you know, they are not there. So how, in your opinion, can can, you know, the smartness help us navigate the next period with, you know, let's say the technologies that we have today? Because after that, we talk about the future. Uh, maybe Hassan, you can tell us a little bit. Uh, are you seeing applications now outside of the construction space, for instance? Yeah, I mean, regarding the new norm and uh, the current norm, I, I I kind of agree with you here. Um, in a sense, the, 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 what I feel can happen, of course, things will change, but as a human, uh, will spring back uh, to the old norm or the current norm, I would call it. Um, Regarding like application or technology that actually affected uh, our life, I'm, I can see meetings was the biggest thing that was like, you know, we were like wasting so much time just to get in-person meeting that could have been done in um, uh, virtually. Uh, sales meeting, you have team meeting, you have like all these kind of uh, meetings. 
sometimes I wish I can do my family meetings, like just in <laughs> Zoom, just because uh, uh, I, I live in a city with very far from my my home. Home is uh, my home is Tabuk, is all the way in the north. And they keep telling my uh, uh, family, like, uh, my father uh, specifically, like every time I come to Tabuk, I waste so much time on, on gatherings. Can we just <laughs> do it on Zoom or something? <laughs> so, and now it happened. <laughs> So if I want to do, if I have only one wish to, to do this, it's going to be that one for sure. No question asked. It's just to, to, to save more time. I'm, uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of my perspective, I think. Yes, very cool. Uh, I mean, it's true. And look, uh, here we are. Like I said, you know, the best way to get us together at the end of the day was over, a, you know, a Zoom call. Uh, <laughs> and, and Sandra, what about, uh, you know, from the healthcare perspective? Are you seeing now some of these solutions that were, you know, maybe put together with, you know, duct tape and, and chewing gum to, to make it work quickly. <laughs> Are they being implemented now, uh, you know, at least uh, other than what we talked about, like contact tracing, uh, you know, in a more yes. uh, systematic way to help us, you know, get back out, out there a little bit more confidently, travel, work, maybe have some fun yeah, as well. Right. Well, I, I do think, I have to say, first off, that the I'm a huge fan of Zoom calls and the digitalization. And isn't it interesting that we didn't think we could do it? And oh, guess what? We can. And like you, Ziad, and Hassan as well. I mean, I've been involved in so many calls, uh, especially as we did our trust building uh, questions uh, with people from all over the world, from Cape Town and Stockholm and Bogota and, uh, and Riyadh. So I think, um, you know, this idea that we can definitely virtually communicate in important ways is a big change, not only in how we uh, live our lives, but also um, what the future holds for us, which we can talk about a little later. But I do think there are certain technologies that will definitely inform cities going forward and definitely change the way we communicate, not only about our health and safety, but about transportation and uh, you know electrification, if you will. Um, artificial intelligence is one, I think that the the idea that we can learn through machine learning so much more, so much more quickly about what people really think and what they're talking about through all the social media, for example. Um, and artificial intelligence also allows um, some of the mundane tasks to be done by a machine and some of the more creative tasks to be done by humans, uh, which is where what our strength is, right? Then there's, uh, there's also the IoT, which of course is what Hassan is very involved in, and cameras, sensors, everything that detects our movement, uh, how we, how we uh, um, are mobile around a place. So the IoT is going to be, I think, continuing to be a real help to helping us understand uh, new healthcare challenges. And finally, <clears throat> finally, I think all of the autonomous vehicles, all the autonomous driving facts, uh, it will be a part of our life, I think, in the next five to ten years, uh, so that we won't have the same dependence on um, traffic as usual, traffic congestion as usual. So I think all of these three things are going to really affect cities and affect the way in which we uh, prepare for the next health crisis, which is sure to come. I see a lot of uh, cities, I see it here uh, actually uh, practically almost daily in, in Barcelona who are reclaiming the street. You know, there's a yeah. big movement of, uh, you know, because traffic dropped a little bit. And but at the same time, uh, I think, 
you know, the, the pandemic uh, created these smaller bubbles for us that we were forced to go a, little, a lot more local. And when, uh, you know, it was so easy for us to travel, uh, you know, not even by plane, maybe to the next city down the road, one hour down the road from Dubai is Abu Dhabi. And for the last three, four months, it has been almost impossible to get there, practically speaking. Uh, so we have seen this, you know, like looking more inwards and trying to find, you know, your solutions around you. So that's quite interesting. And, and Hassan also talked about the productivity angle, which is, you know, yeah. I, this is what I wanted to talk about, you know, from one perspective, you know, meetings that couldn't happen uh, because we needed to be in person now are, are happening, uh, you know, remotely with more acceptance and and maybe discussions, bigger discussions, bigger deals can, can be agreed upon uh, also remotely. And that requires a lot of trust. So I want to bring the trust element here. So we talk about it a little bit more. But Hassan, at the beginning, uh, you were talking about Wake Up and they, they, the construction industry told you, I don't even know where they are. So I, w I want to understand, sir, was that a big issue for them to actually know where people are? Was it about trusting that the people are where they're supposed to be and doing their work? Or was it a security angle, like we lose them? What was exactly the, uh, the, the angle there? Yeah, no, no, good question. I mean, the, if you look at any construction site, I mean, typically 20% um, of the, the force are basically supervisors. And the the idea of like you know especially at mega site and uh, the the idea of having a lot of people on site, uh, knowing where they are, it's really crucial. Not because of the trust, it's because of safety. Mm. Construction is the riskiest location you 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 could be. Uh, it's actually I think that what whether the uh, is in the top five. Um, and um, I think the last year it made it to the to the second place just because the cons construction is like a lot of things can go wrong. And mm. the number one reason for um, any bigger, uh, in, in, in any fatality there, being at the wrong place at the wrong time. People were not supposed to be there when, you know, uh, uh, he was not authorized to be there, for example. He, you know, the the... The crane operator didn't see him or didn't expect anybody was to be in that location. So all these kind of reasons, when you look down into it, just knowing where people are, it's so crucial from just from the safety perspective. Another example, like a simple example you can think of when, when they evacuate the site. The safety manager have to send all the safety officers to manually check all the places if there is only one person missing. And sometimes if that person left without, you know, telling anybody, and that's, you know, this is where, where you 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 risk other people's life because they want to go and check on on, on that on that person. Yes. So of course, I mean, the, the the need was there. It's just basically the technicality and the, the experience of bringing technology to the field uh, to the field have been very very challenging. I see. I see. I like this because uh, you know. Uh, if you remember, uh, Sandra, and I, 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 I'm going to take this because Qualcomm and other companies dropped the, the naming of Internet of Everything. And they yes. decided all to call it Internet of Things, but it's really about everything. And, and particularly, you know, with Wake Up, the human is connected now. You know, it's an extension and it's the closest. I mean, we talk about wearables. That's another example. I mean, we have really, I think, uh, you know, concentrated wearables in watches and uh, wristbands. But that's a great example of, uh, of, of another kind of wearables. But also it's the Internet of everywhere because we know we know where people are. So that's another IOE. Uh, 
let's talk a little bit uh, more uh, you know the, the why i said this is uh, you know season finale across you know uh, you know the different episodes that we've had this year i have noticed uh, you know that trust has always been an element of the discussion you know whether we were talking about cities about healthcare uh, about design ui ux the other day it was always this element of of trust and so we're going to elaborate and talk a lot more about it in in coming episodes but so can you share with us sandra a little bit of your uh, you know question storming session what was the question uh, and uh, is there any findings that you can already share with us or do we keep this for the in a, another episode next year absolutely we're going to keep it for the next episode but but okay. i love i love what you both said about you know the importance of trust because whether it's wearing masks you know do i trust you if you don't wear a mask and i do or whether it's the communication uh is there is this true or is this fake news you know the social media has imp- impacted our ability to trust one another and, and i think uh, my big question the big finding from some of our questions and I think we have developed 50 categories of different questions around trust. What are the elements of trust? Um, how do you measure it? Can it be taught? Are you, do you learn to trust as a child? Uh, can you change that as you grow up? Does it change over time? So uh, thousands of questions. But the big one for me is, are there new coalitions that we can build? Can we create new collaborations to, uh, for example, within a city, procure technology differently? Uh, can we create new collaborations to really improve social uh, inclusion within a city? And so I think that's sort of at the heart of the solution storming, which definitely comes next. If we can really get to the heart of the question, then we can start to say, what are the new ways of doing things? I just want to make one recommendation. Well, I have a million book recommendations, but one is called Digital Darwinism. It's by a guy named Tom Goodwin, who's a uh, Brit living in uh, uh, the United States, but um, the idea is, can we let go of our muscle memory? You know that that idea that oh, this is the way we've always done it. And Hassan and I were talking about it as well because the construction industry really it hasn't changed that much, has it? Over the course of many many decades, and can we do things differently? That's the question uh, building uh, that builds on how can we rebuild trust. Fantastic. And I like the fact that, you know, due to a small technological glitch and, you know, Google's insistence of directing all of us to their Google Meet platform, you managed to have a, you know, behind the scenes prep session. And, uh, you know, we're getting, I, even I am getting revelations during, uh, you know, this uh, this recording. So that's fantastic. And uh, Hassan, let's, you know, uh, beyond the trust, so I, you know, I always end with a segment about the future, you know, and, and now let's talk like five, ten years. So we, we know there is 5G uh, coming now. We know, you know, you use beacons and uh, to, to, to connect and uh, a lot of sensors are out there in, 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 the, in the cap. But what do you see coming next that will uh, we take, you know, wake up to, to never 2.0 or 3.0? Sure, sure. Now, this is a great question. I mean, uh, we, I have been asked about this a lot. Like, you know, what, where does Wake Up stand when we have 5G coverage, when we have this kind of... I mean, I, and the way I see it, it's always complementing uh, what we try to do. It really depends on the use case. So, for example, uh, today, one of the biggest challenges of you building a wearable solution 
for construction is that the wearable that you have already, like the smartwatch and other, doesn't work on this industry. It needs to be um, designed for, it, it needs to be purposely built for the industry because they need it to be rigid, they need it to have, um, need it to be durable. And one of the requirements that actually killed a lot of approaches before is the battery needs to last really long. Otherwise, mm -hmm. people forget to charge, forget to use it, especially when you talk about a scalable uh, thousands of workers in a site. Um, so where I see the future uh, is that we will, we will be able to have everything connected, equipment, tool, material, um, even smart building right now, for example, we have, um, we have sensors that measure the maturity of the concrete, uh, mm -hmm. sensor that goes inside the building that lasts for basically years to come for to help with the facility management. This is where I see that, you know, having the, the, the information and the data coming from literally internet of everything that comes uh, and put it in a, in a context that allow you to utilize, utilize for different use cases. So for example, for us, we see that measuring safety is, is one thing, but also the productivity have a big, a big impact. Knowing how, how productive and how skillful a worker is, it's it's gonna you know go a long you know a long time. It's like you build your own portfolio. Okay, here is a, a project, 80 floors. I was involved with it. I was a mason, and here is like you know my full record. I was like you know being able to to deliver this much of units per per a day, and it, it becomes you know the the LinkedIn or portfolio of any. Uh, any craftsman in the future. That, that's at least how I see it. That's beautiful. That's amazing. And just for uh, our information, the CAP right now relays information. Does it receive as well? Can you uh, yeah. communicate uh, downstream with the workers, with the construction? It is uh, two-way. Yeah. It is two-way, but we, we only use an alert and uh, we keep the alert to the minimum. So we, okay. like, we have been asked a lot, oh, can I buzz a worker and ask him to come over? I was like, look, the alert has one function. If I hear it, I'm telling the worker to leave the site. It's it's yeah. it's it's an evacuation alarm, because uh, you know with the whole uh, we can talk a lot about the the, the effect of forms uh, uh, and notification and all of that, and we try to keep it so simple for the worker not to even think about it and worry about it. That's amazing. Well, I mean, we're always talking about new user interfaces. And, you know, in this oh, case, yeah. like, there is no screen, there's nothing to touch. So I, I'm always curious to see how it will uh, evolve yeah. and, and, and go next. Uh, what about you, Sada? What, what do you see the future uh, is bringing us beyond 5G AI and, you know, what we feel? Of course, of course. Uh, well, I, you know, over the past, uh, past decades, you know, the world has transformed into a web of cities. And I think that that is a good thing because we all sort of can share now knowledge and information and um, even the wearable technology that, that you spoke of, Hassan and Ziad. I, I think there's, you know, a real, um, a real hunger, especially among young people, the millennials, Generation Z, uh, they're really looking to be entrepreneurial and innovative. And as a matter of fact, before I tell you about my future projections, um, those, are the, those are the people that really need uh, to be engaged in helping small and medium-sized enterprises around the world. I mean, my view about, of the SMEs is that if they don't survive in a city, the city won't survive. And we need to help them thrive and figure out, again, new collaborations, new coalitions, so that they can be 
a positive force for a city. You know, if a city doesn't have restaurants and hotels and, um, you know, places to get your hair cut, uh, it's not going to thrive. So I really want the young people in, uh, listening to this uh, podcast to to get engaged with entrepreneurial ideas to support small and medium enterprises. But I do think, uh, just as a closing future projection, that uh, I'm a stubborn optimist, and I think the future of cities is quite bright. We are going to be the ones that have the entrepreneurial spirit. We're going to be the, the places of invention, especially as we attract new and younger talent to make a difference. So I, I'm very I'm very hopeful. I think it's going to get very exciting. And actually, I think the pandemic has been a huge lesson for us. Not only do we need to get through this one, but we need to make sure we're better prepared for the next one. Absolutely. And you know, as you said, I mean, now we know the importance of the neighborhood store, the neighborhood restaurant, the neighborhood salon. And, and you know, in, in a situation where, you know, in many countries now we have curfews, makes much more sense to, you know, have a nice day, evening out in the restaurant that is five minutes walk than, you know, drive, uh, having to leave half an hour earlier to make it home uh, uh, on time. I love the angle of entrepreneurship. And again, you know, if we go back on the background, this is where I got to know about WakeCap. I used to meet a lot with Hassan's team at In5, our innovation uh, hub in uh, Dubai, built by Dubai Internet City and, uh, you know, the wonderful, uh, you know, team at uh, TCOM there and, and brings me to today, you know, I'm sitting in another co-working space where I get to learn and, uh, you know, meet a lot of other people in a completely different, uh, you know, geography. That's what you see. That is my background right now, what you see behind me. So <laughs> if we talk about backgrounds, uh, you know, uh, this is the, the real one in the picture. Uh, but more about that soon. I want to thank you both, you know, for an amazing discussion, you know, better than everything I had expected or planned for in terms of insights and, you know, chemistry. We, we definitely had some nice sparks flying. I look forward to having more discussions. So, uh, you know, separately or together, Sandra will talk about uh, the trust and the question storming maybe next year. Hassan will have to do another call maybe about the future of um, safety, construction, or even, you know, just entrepreneurship in general uh, in the region. So we'll talk more. Thanks a lot to our listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed the whole season. And please, as usual, you know, get uh, you know, get in touch with us on uh, on our social media. We'll we'll publish the, the the highlights on LinkedIn. You'll be able to you know connect and uh, chat with um, us directly or on the comment section. And let us know what else you'd like to hear about in the next episodes of Firelessly Yours. Thank you.